All right, I'm going to pray. God, I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. I want to thank you for the, the, the things that are going on, Lord. It, it seems like when we don't focus on stuff, that you bring stuff to us. And Lord, we always want to see and, and recognize where you're working. We want to join you in that work. So Lord, I pray a blessing over Acts 4 ministry, and I pray a blessing over Will as he manages all the operations there, Lord, that you would just, you would just give him ideas and creativity and strength to do the work of probably two or three people because, Lord, we just know that there are not enough workers in the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bring him and bring that ministry workers. And I pray for all of the, the, the men's ministry and the women's ministry and all the men and women that are getting together and they are digging into the word of God and, and coming together as a community. I pray for the young adult ministry, Lord, that you would, that you would deepen the walk of the young people, not only in this community, but in this entire generation, Lord, that they would be on fire for you and live for the kingdom of God and not just for the selfishness that this world can offer them. So God, I just want to thank you for this community. I want to thank you for everything that's going on, for outside the walls next week. God, I pray that there's going to be God's stories to tell. I pray that people would have divine meetings with people that the, that, that the gospel would be shared. Thank you, Lord. And now as we look into your word, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. All right, so last week we looked at, we started the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians, Paul has this really cool greeting. It's not just, hey, how you doing? He kind of he lays out some stuff, and he, he wants to establish his apostleship because it's in question. People don't believe he's an apostle because he wasn't with Jesus, but he doesn't care about that. He's been called by the risen Christ. And then he talks about grace and peace. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this idea of grace and peace because what he does from there in this little greeting is he, he presents the gospel. Very simply, he presents the gospel. He says that Jesus has given himself for our sin. Jesus has rescued us from this present age, this age of brokenness. We've been forgiven of sin, and we have been rescued from our own selves, from the brokenness of this world. And all of this is Jesus being obedient to the will of his Father. Because this is God's plan for us. This is God's will that we would be forgiven and rescued. Imagine that? God, okay? The the guy, well, we say upstairs, but, you know, wherever God is, God is here. But God, the creator of all things wants to save you from your own mistakes, wants to save you from the trouble that you've gotten yourself into, wants to save you from the trouble that you know you're getting yourself into. And so he gives Jesus that we would be rescued from this present age into the age to come, into newness, that time when God is putting it all back together again, making things whole again making life good. And though we're not there yet, but this is where we're headed because of Jesus Christ. Paul presents these ideas just very, very simple. Because I believe for Paul, the gospel is really something that's very simple. 
And so he has a purpose for writing this letter. He has a a very clear purpose for writing the letter for the Galatians. To pretty much tell them, if I can sum it up, the gospel of Jesus is a very simple thing, but when people get involved, they mess it all up. And so let me explain to you what's going on. Not me, but Paul. So let's go to the scripture. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, I will begin in. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we we preach to you, let that person be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let that person be under God's curse. So Paul is a little bit stressed out right now about the churches in Galatia. He's got a little bit of tension going on in him. And I'll and I tell you, I know exactly where he is. Anybody who has led in a ministry or has had a leadership position in a community of faith has at one time or another felt the, 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 the tension or the weight of having a desire for people to get it. Having a desire for people to understand what Jesus is offering them. People have fe- leadership in, in the church. People have felt the, the weight of, of watching people get so close and then turn around and walk away. And so I, I get what Paul's saying. I get what he must be feeling. It's the weight of wanting the best for the churches. And he is stressed because they are moving away from the gospel that he has preached to them. They're moving away from that. And so by doing that, they're moving away from God. They're moving away from Jesus. And that is just, it's just messing with him. And he says, you're doing it so quickly. What's up with you? And we don't have a real time frame about what quickly means, but quickly means probably pretty quick that Paul has given them this message. And now there's some people coming in going, oh, wait, no, no. And offering them something very different. See, the calling of the Galatians is by God himself. And he has called them, not because they're really good people, not because they're really cool people, not because they have the right hairstyle or wear the right clothes. They, call, they are called by God because of God's favor, period. Because of God's grace. That's it. They don't deserve to be called by God, but it's God's goodness through Jesus Christ that's the reason why they have been called. Are you tracking? Are you following me? And there is some consequences to this wandering away from the gospel that, that Paul, is, Paul has given them. And we're going to talk about a little bit about that in a few minutes, so just hang on. But the ramification is this, that they are giving up the only hope that they have for the forgiveness of their sins. When you move away from the, the simplicity of Jesus Christ, you begin to give up the hope, the only hope that you have for the forgiveness of sins. You see, the Galatians, they were probably pagans. They probably worshipped many different gods. They had other different kinds of religions. They were all just a, a mixture of stuff. 
And then Paul comes with, with this story about they can be forgiven and they can be made right, reconciled back to the creator of all things through his son, Jesus Christ. And he presents this and they believe this. And now they've begun to abandon hope. They've begun to abandon grace. They've begun to abandon God's favor and God's power on them, for them, in their lives, that power that transforms them. Paul says, you know what? You've been called out of the yuck and out of the ick, and you've been called into something that's amazing. You've been called out of, you've been called out of brokenness, and you've been called now into favor. You've been called out of your sin, and now you've been called into favor. You've been called out of performance, trying to get it right. And you've been called into unmerited favor. Do you understand that? And and he's trying to get it to them. They've been called out of walking in weakness. And they've been called into power, power of the spirits. They've been called out of the old, their old life, their old habits, and into something that's brand new, something that God is doing in them, around them, in their homes, in their lives, in their individual selves, in their communities, in their entire culture, in the world. They've been called out of the old and into something that's new. And this is all the work of the Lord through Jesus Christ. It always has been and it will always be. And there's this thing about God. I love, God calls, okay? Romans 4, it says that God creates stuff out of nothing. He calls stuff out of nothing. For Abraham, Abraham, he promised him, you are going to be the father of nations. Abraham didn't even have a kid. Well, he had one, but it wasn't the right kid. He oopsed. And God said, no, I promise you. And he called life from his wife who was very advanced in years, and gave him a son. Nations were born. The nation. God called Paul. He was a persecutor of the church. He hunted Christians down, wanted to throw them into jail, ultimately wanting them to be killed. He held the jackets of those that would stone Peter to death and thought this was a good thing. This is the act of God. Paul was called by God out of that life to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, to go and plant churches. God calls. The call of God is so powerful on the lives of those who will follow Jesus that we can't even begin to understand or to feel, comprehend what it is that he wants to do with us. And it's God that makes that call, and God is going to finish it. The good work that he has begun in each one of you, he will see to completion because it's always been his work and not your own. It's always been the work of God in your life. Nothing you can muster up. Hmm. Human work can't get it done. Human thoughts can't get it done. You cannot by yourself live the way Jesus has called you to live, to live the way God has called you to live. It's only through the grace of God and his call on your life. 
and the churches of Galatia have had people come into them and they have turned from the divine gospel of Jesus Christ and now it is based on human achievement. It's now they're basing it on what I can do to actually get myself saved. And Paul says, you know what? That's not a gospel at all. That's not good news. The goodness of God compared to the goodness of people? Eh? There's no comparison there. There are people coming to this church that would be called Judaizers. There are people coming to the churches in Galatia, and they are telling them that the message that Paul has given you people is the wrong message. Paul isn't even a real apostle. He has watered it down to make it easy for you. And what Paul's doing, he makes it easy for the Gentiles. And then he he tells the the Jewish converts what they want to hear. He's wishy-washy. And what he's doing to you, he's leading you astray. Don't listen to him. Let us tell you what you need to do to have salvation. And so this is what they say. You have to follow the law. All 600 and something things that no one can get a hold of and you have to be circumcised. Those are the things that you need to be right with God. What they're saying is, okay, it's Jesus plus the law plus circumcision equals your salvation. And Paul is saying, no, it is Jesus plus nothing. That's where salvation is. That's where the the foundation of our salvation is. And And I... constantly think how prone we are as humans to wander from the simplicity of the gospel. How prone we are just to to fall away from it, to get away from Jesus plus nothing. Great book called The Naked Gospel. It talks all about Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. And how easy it is for us to move away. And, And what is really scary here, and what I believe Paul is really upset about is these people that are bringing this, all these things to add to the gospel, they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They believe that he is the, the, the savior of the world. And, and they're saying, okay, he's the savior, but it's not enough. You have to follow the rules and you have to be circumcised, which I wouldn't be a big fan of, just saying. Awkward. Well, no, I bet you any guy. No, never mind. So, um, in favor of not have you, please. God, get your. Can we strike that from the account, please? No. Where was I? I have to focus. Ah, here we go. And what Paul is bringing them saying, listen, any, any, any theology, any message, any gospel that has works, that has stipulations, that has requirements for you to do something other than put your faith in Jesus Christ is a wrong gospel. Anything that adds to the message of who Christ is, is wrong. And Paul says the people that do that are under a curse. They lack salvation. It's not a curse like we're going to kick them out of church. It's they're in trouble when they stand before God for bringing these ideas as part of the gospel. Hear me now. Theology 101. Here we go. Ready? Justification is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. 
Justification is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Period. End of comment, end of thought, end of sentence. But there are so many things that tend to, that, that, that get a hold of us, that kind of move us in different directions. So many things that clutter our minds and clutter our hearts and even, even clutter our calendar. And we begin to forget that simple truth. We begin to just, just look at it from a whole new perspective, a wrong perspective. Just think of how many Christian books there are to help you in your Christian life. How many conferences churches offer to help you along in your Christian life? How to be a godly parent. How to raise godly children. How to have a good marriage. How to be a good husband. How to be a good wife. How to be a good disciple. Seven steps to an easier, more blessed, filled life. How to, how to handle your money. Money matters. Yes, it does. And how are you going to manage your money in a godly way? All of these things, all these books and all these conferences. Hear me, okay? They're not a bad thing. It's not necessarily bad. Things like this have helped people throughout communities all across the world. These are all good. Okay, maybe not all of them are good. Some of them are really bad. But most of them are really good. And they have good topics. And they help people. But the problem is when we get caught up in adding that to Jesus... When we get caught up in adding those things to as a requirement to Jesus. No one starts out for it to happen. It just slowly just kind of creeps in. Because as church, we tend to focus, as Christian, we tend to focus on behavior modification. That's that's because we can get a hold of that. We can think about that. We can kind of we can kind of massage that. How do we modify people's behavior? And I do not believe we do. We don't spend enough time focusing on God's grace, God's power, and God's freedom. You know, we might not think of it on on a purely conscious level, but I know it's in our heads. If I can just be a better husband, if I can just be a better husband, then, then I'm going to be right with God. And then God's going to love me and he's going to bless me. If I could just be a better wife, then, then I'm going to be right with God. And then, then he's going to love me. If I could just be a better student, if I could be a better kid, then, then God's going to love me. If I can just get this discipleship together, then, then God, I will, God will love me. And then I'll be right with God. And I know that we just, we would never think that and say that out loud, but it swirls in our head, continually swirling in our head. That is a message from the enemy. Okay? Hear me on that. If something is telling you, if you were more godly than God would love you, that's a message from the devil himself. Here's the truth. God already loves you. Okay? He sent his son to the world. He's given everyone the opportunity to put their trust in Jesus Christ and be reconciled back to him. Man, that's love. Jesus died for people who hated him. Jesus died for those men that were driving nails into his hands and feet. 
That's, that's how much God loves us. And when you begin to get a hold of that idea, when it begins to sink in, when that, the love of God and the grace of God begins to get a hold of you. And now remember, love and the idea of grace, it can't stay up here. Maybe you heard me say this once or twice. It can't stay up here. It can't stay ideas. It can't stay knowledge. It can't stay in the academic. It has to move from your head into your heart. And when it gets into your heart, the idea of the love of God, the idea of God's favor and his transformative power in your life, when those things get from here into here, it creates in you the desire. Maybe not. It creates in you the freedom To live in holiness. And you no longer are on the treadmill of performance. As the poet would write, the light of love has entered in the place of darkest night. Begin to burn with love's pure fire the depths of dungeon's heart. When love has its way with it and nothing left but ash, the wind of spirit blew gale force. Freedom, the journey path. The love of God has to move from here to here. The grace of God has to move from here to here. And it creates in us the freedom to live the way he's called us in holiness and righteousness. You can't get there on your own. You know, in our culture today, uh, Richard Rohr would write that, in our culture today, we have lost the idea of uh, inherent value in things. Things are valuable just because they are. Okay, what we have done is we've, we've moved away from inherent value and we've gone to something called exchange value. Exchange value is the idea of, of will it sell? Will it win? Is it good enough? Is it better? And so when we start to compare things in, in that light, we can't help but then project those questions on us. And we start to ask ourselves, what's our market value? Will I sell? Will I win? Am I good enough? Am I better? And we, and we, and it just, it leaves us always anxious and stressed and competing. It leaves us comparing ourselves to other people. And ultimately, we're just empty. And what's even more troublesome to me, this idea of market value has moved into the church. It's moved into religion. Church has a market mentality. Is it good enough? Are we good enough? And so we moved away from the the teaching that there's a loving God who loves his people and he's graceful to us, gracious to us. We've moved away. It's no longer about the mystery of the Holy Spirit and his power to transform lives. We've moved away from freedom. We've moved away from the power of the spirit that's alive and well today. And we've, and we've made it about exchange value. We have to keep, we have to keep social order. We have to make sure everybody behaves Correctly. We have the morality police to make sure that you follow the rules. And we have to enforce the moral codes so we can make sure all of you, all of us, look good on the outside. But inside, starving and full of dead man's bones. Our faith journey is in danger 
It's in danger of being poisoned by the reality of a dead religion and not faith in Jesus Christ. See, the gospel becomes about crime and punishment. Man, that's not good news. Later on in Galatians, we'll see that we've been set for freedom is why we've been set free. That's not crime and punishment. And and we need to start focusing back on God's mercy and God's grace through Jesus Christ, that our old life has been transformed into something new. Hear me on this, okay? If you are still stuck in the old patterns of your life, if you are still stuck in the brokenness of your life, if you're still stuck in those things that are pulling you away from God, if you're still in brokenness, if you're still in the old and you haven't moved into the new, the reason is this, and it's very simple, because the love and the grace of God has yet to penetrate deep inside your hearts. And you have been trying for too long to modify your behavior to add something to Jesus so that you can be a better person and accept and not accept just you are inherently valuable. You've been made in the image of God. Do you know what that means? You have been made in the image of God and you cannot begin to understand how valuable you are. And if you are messing up and living a messed up life, doing stupid things, it is because you have forgotten who you are. It's because you have forgotten that you are favored and you have the power to live differently. Are you you tracking with this? You can't do it on your own. The love of God, the grace of God, the favor of God has to move from here and it's got to get into there because this is where it begins to change life. Paul is so confident in the gospel of Jesus and nothing else. Just as the character of God doesn't change, God can't change this gospel, this message, this simplicity, this simple Jesus and nothing will never change. And what he even said, listen, if an angel comes down from heaven and says, hey, Paul's wrong, it's Jesus plus something. Jesus plus whatever that something is. If an angel from heaven came down and brought that message, that angel would be cursed. That angel would be wrong. Paul lumps himself into that. and says, if I come back and say, I messed up, it's Jesus plus giving me all your money. That's going to be, that's going to make you right with God. Paul would be wrong. It's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. That's good news, no? It is. But that's difficult news. That's, 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 it's not popular in our culture for this simple gospel. But we cannot sway from it. What Paul's preaching is Christ and Christ alone. It's Christ and Christ alone. It's not Christ and something else. It's not Christ is a way of many ways. It is Christ in Christ alone. Let me get back up here. Theology 101. You ready? Here it is. Justification is by faith in Jesus, period. Christ in Christ alone. And in a world that offers salvation in so many different ways and so many different flavors and so many different nuances, Paul is standing firm and he's saying the only salvation comes through Jesus Christ. 
the only salvation, the only way to be reconciled back to God is by putting your faith in the redemptive work of what Christ did on the cross. And all of these other things, they, they, they don't cut it. They can't cut it. They're false gods. They're not real. Even though God sent his only son that he loved the world so much, and there's this inclusive feel about that statement, the gospel of Jesus Christ is it's exclusive. And I don't want, I know that might not be the popular thing to say, but I can't shy away from the biblical thing to say. Paul is calling into question thousands and thousands of years of, of different cultures and different religions and different faiths. Paul is calling out the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's saying, now it is complete because of Jesus Christ. Now it has become, it is, it is fulfilled. That righteousness cannot be found in the law, but is found in the work of Christ. And it's always been that way, and it always will be that way. And he was not ashamed of it, so we cannot be ashamed of it. Look what he'll say in verse 10. Am I now trying to win human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So there it is. He is laying it down. Remember, he's being accused of being wishy-washy. He's being accused of just trying to give ear candy to people, to get people in, telling them what they want to hear. Now he says, oh, am I? Am I telling you people what you want to hear? Am I being wishy-washy now? Am I on the fence? Am I trying to get in good with other people? Am I trying to persuade God to make it easy for the Gentiles so they can come in? Obviously, these are rhetorical questions. Paul doesn't care what people think of him. Paul doesn't care what people are going to say about him. Church, you can live your life trying to please people, or you can live your life trying to please God. You can live your life in fear of people, or you can live your life in fear of God. And I know that we ebb and flow through that. We, you know, it's, it's people, it's God, it's people, it's God. It's part of our human nature. It's part of our brokenness. But, but hear me in this. As you journey through your life, as you journey in your faith, please, please be conscious always. Move into the direction pleasing God and fearing God. People are fickle. God is not. People will try to manipulate you. God will not. People change. God doesn't change. People will want you to please them because inherently we are just selfish. God is not selfish. I want to show you this verse in John as we close. Gospel of John, chapter 12. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human glory more than the glory of God. What's happening here is people are starting to come to faith in Jesus, but they're afraid 
They don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. They don't want anybody to know. They enjoy the glory of men more than the glory of God. And they are missing the points. If you're going to please people, and if you're going to fear people, that is going to pull you away from the things that the Lord has for your life. It will pull you right from the will of God and the plans of God for your life. And that is, that's, that's no joke. That's no little thing. If you focus on wanting to please people and, and you're afraid of what people are saying about you, thinking about you, what they're going to say about you, you are going to slip and fall right through the purposes of God and you're never going to realize the plan that God has for your life. Are you willing to stand for the gospel. Even when it's not politically correct. Are you willing to love differently and live differently and invest in others even when it doesn't make any sense at all because you've been called by grace? Are you willing to speak the convictions of the Holy Spirit even when you're at risk of being ridiculed and laughed at? Are you willing to live your life to the equation of the gospel that says Jesus plus nothing? God, I want to thank you for something that's so simple and so beautiful. God, I just want to pray for everyone here this morning, Lord. Lord, I know that we're all in different places of life and our journey. But God, I pray that you would, even more this very moment, that you be, begin, continue to move grace and love and favor and power from the head to the heart. And that people would understand who they are, that they have been wonderfully made, that we've been made in your image, and we, we have value just because of that. And because of Jesus and the cross, all we have to do is say, and you're going to take care of the rest. So God, move the power of the Spirit into the hearts this morning. Lord, move the love of God into the hearts this morning. Move the grace of God, the grace of you into hearts this morning. Transform, change. Holy Spirit, I pray that you begin to transform lives this morning. Even, even more, even deeper than what you're already doing. And Lord, for those that are sitting here going, God can't forgive that. I'm here to tell you, you've already been forgiven. If you're so worried that God can't forgive you, then your heart is ready to accept his forgiveness. Spirit, we invite you to do the work. Through the power and glory of the living God. Amen.